Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Jeff Kageris with Cool Springs and Donaldson Eye Care. We've proudly served the Middle Tennessee community for the last 26 years, and I want you to know we really appreciate you. Having an annual comprehensive eye health and vision exam is so important to the health of your eyes. From signs of diabetes, glaucoma, and cataracts, we're looking for it all. Don't let another day go by. Schedule your annual eye health and vision exam at Cool Springs or Donaldson Eye Care. From the in-office studios of his eye care practices in Nashville, Tennessee, it's As I See It with Dr. Jeff Kegaris, your source for eye care education and receiving the type of patient relationship you deserve. It is time for a patient revolution. And now, your host, Dr. Jeff Kegaris. Welcome to As I See It This Week. I'm excited to talk about diabetes, basically too much sugar, and its effect on your body and its effect on your eyes. We always celebrate Diabetic Eye Disease Month and Diabetic Month, if you will, annually in November in the United States. But we treat, manage, and detect this all-too-increasing condition at each and every eye exam and each and every day that we see patients here at Cool Springs and Donaldson Eye Care. Dr. Jeff, what I have to know this. What is the earliest age of someone when you've done an exam, you're like, that's got diabetic retinopathy written all over it? You know, typically when I have seen uh, kids that are very, very young and they may be born uh, with diabetes type 1, um, or somewhere in their you know, early developmental years, two to four, somewhere like that, um, where we've found that they have what we call type 1 okay. diabetes, which is just one of the types of diabetes. Right, so let's it. break down for our listeners. Yeah. How many types are there? I think it depends on whether you're a lumper or a splitter, but I'd like to break it into four types. Okay. The first type is number one. Keep in mind that diabetes in and of itself is an improper sugar metabolism. We need to take in sugar. It gives us energy. But if we have too much, it needs to be neutralized. And it's neutralized by a thing called insulin, which is produced by our pancreas. Okay? Pancreas is an organ in the body. Sometimes, in especially type 1, that pancreas either produces very, very little or just does not produce insulin. And so the sugar goes unchecked. In that case, we have to provide the insulin to neutralize the sugar because if you get too much sugar in your cells, it's not a good thing. And that's called diabetes. We measure the circulating amount of sugar in the bloodstream. And uh, one of those tests that we do, we use a test called the A1C, the hemoglobin A1C, to see yeah. how much, you know, what percent's in the blood. And, and uh, so type 1 basically is... I hear those commercials all the time. I know, I know, my, I know how to lower my A1C. Ah, very good. Yeah. yeah, it's becoming much more in the vernacular. It used to be, well, what's my sugar? Oh, you uh, know, it was 128. Oh, it was 143 this morning. But that's only a daily basis. Okay, or that's a random, that's what it is at this particular time, heavily influenced by what you had to eat recently. Right. Whereas the A1C exists, red blood cells exist for two months plus or minus in the bloodstream. And so therefore, when we're measuring the, uh, the hemoglobin A1C, we're basically measuring what your, what your average sugar level or percentage has been over the last two to three months. Okay. That's why it's more accurate because you can't fudge it. 
Right, okay. Right? It's okay. not like flossing the day before you go to the dentist, yeah, 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 right? right? Or using your eye glaucoma drops right before you see me that morning. Right. You know? All right, so that was type one. That's type one. Okay. Type two is uh, rapidly becoming more common, and this is the development of how we process. All right, I have to, I have to ask. Yeah, yeah. Was that a big word for you? It depends on the word. Okay. The, uh, it is the, are the types like stages of cancer? The bigger number no, the word? No, that's a great question. Thank this, you. This is a, they all are different difficulties with, with sugar and insulin metabolism. But type 2 is not worse off than type 1. Well, it depends. Okay. But it's, it, I don't know that I can categorically say yes or no on okay. that. Okay. okay. Um, type 2 is more of a developmental Okay. Then it is an inherited condition. Of which it is type, from type 1. For the most part, yes. Okay, yes. It. Or at least there's, for some reason you're born and you don't have this ability. In type 2, you lose your ability to process very well. So you develop kind of what we call an insulin resistance. You're still producing the insulin, whereas the type 1s don't produce that perhaps, but you're not sensitive to it. So your muscle, your fat, your liver cells become somewhat resistant to the insulin. Over time. Over time. Got That's it. right. Okay. And so therefore the sugar level builds up, insulin doesn't work. And, and this is insulin provided by my pancreas? That's correct. That's okay. correct. And so you basically have this problem processing the blood sugar. And so your glucose goes higher and it, you, the end result is the same thing. Too much sugar in the body causing damage because you've got too much sugar. Right. Okay. Right. So that's, uh, that's the type two. The other type that I like to think about is gestational. Okay. Gestational is, of course, when you have this during pregnancy. The difficulty here, and we think, as I recall, my biochemistry, physiology, is that the placenta produces some hormones that also make us, as the mother, um, have a difficult time processing uh, or or using insulin to reduce the, the sugar. Therefore, you have a higher sugar level. That's dangerous for the mom, but it's also dangerous for the child. Very frequently, we see very large babies when people have had gestational diabetes. Okay. And so that's a, uh, you know, that usually, 90 plus percent of the time, will go back to normal after delivery, but it is a risk factor. Gestational diabetes, the mom has it or the baby has that's it? That's right. Yes, yes. Both. Yes. Once you mean, because, because mom has it, she has it. Mom's got it, so the baby's got it. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, so that doesn't mean they're going to be born with diabetes, but that means they could be pose some problems during the pregnancy. It also is a risk factor for eventually developing type two diabetes. It's almost like a you know, okay, we put you under stress. Geez, your body didn't handle it well, and so we see a little bit higher connection. Not always. When people have had gestational diabetes, with eventually developing diabetes or being more of a diabetic Makes suspect. Sense. Right. Okay. The, the one that probably more people are in and they don't even realize right now is called pre-diabetes. Mm. Like it's, ta- it's coming. It, it's possibly coming. Much okay. like our glaucoma suspects, sure. we are a diabetic suspect, which means, uh, let's say that A1C we, love, we, we measure. We'd like to see that in the 6 range, but officially, I think the diagnosis would say 6.5 and above is you have diabetes. Mm-hmm. The lower the number, the better. So if you get your A1C and it's above 5.7 but lower than 6.5, a lot of times your general physician will say you have pre-diabetes. Now, it's more than just that one number, but that's a a pretty telltale number uh, because that can be influenced by how your body is processing the glucose, sugar, and the insulin. So those are the four types, pre-diabetes, diabetic diabetic type Mm 2, 
gestational diabetes during pregnancy, or you're more or less born with an inability to make insulin, that's a type 1 diabetic. Type 1 diabetics are going to have diabetes all through their life. And one of the risk factors with diabetes and other parts of the body is how long have you had it? Wow. Okay. So type 1, um, again, painting broad brush, but this is how I have to um, uh, soak it in. People that have to check their blood before they eat and sometimes have to give themselves a shot. We've all been at the family reunion. We've seen someone that's had to go through this. They are more than likely, we don't really know, right? I mean, I guess if they're younger, then you can pretty much say they were a type 1, right? If you're not producing endogenous insulin, okay, inside, you have to produce it exogenously. So we have to give it to you. And that's usually going to be through a shot. You're going to take some insulin mm-hmm. because you don't produce it. And that's what's going to neutralize your sugar. So that's what, what people are using. Now, there are a number of very good medications that help do this. One of the most common now is called metformin. You'll more likely see that beginning with type 2 diabetics. But if they don't do a good job handling this, eventually they too will go on to insulin or a combination of, of uh, medication and injection with insulin. So let's let's change. This is extremely informative. The uh, not that the other ones aren't, Doctor Jeff. <laughs> the let's talk about symptoms for a second. So I, uh, as our listeners know, am forty. I have three kids. My mother's side. I feel like everyone's had diabetes, mm-hmm. like everybody. And I love sweets. I'm giving you much information here. I need yeah. you to. I need you to diagnose me. Okay. The uh, and um, I knock on wood. I'm fairly healthy. And you certainly past, do not have a high BMI. Thank right? you. No, I, mean, I don't. Yeah. I've been the same size my for yeah. since eighth grade. The uh, are there symptoms that I should be looking out for? I'm thinking of when's the last time I had blood drawn. It was for life insurance. Mm-hmm. Like so, mm-hmm. I don't go to I don't go to uh, a doctor for a physical every sure. year. I don't do that. What are some other symptoms that I might go? Ugh, I need to have this checked out. Yeah. So, so if my grandmother had it, right. and then it's it. Uh, they're going to they're going to register that as a risk factor. You get a strong sure. family history of that, right. so okay. you might have inherited the propensity or or possibility of developing this over okay. time. Right. right. Um, so you are thirsty. You have to go to the bathroom. Okay. As I was growing up, we call. I had, do you have to piddle? Yes, I have to piddle. Okay. Um, or tinkle. I guess some people do that. that a few you years know, ago, I just like those words better. You know, I used to. <laughs> When I was really young, I used to make bubbles, you know, bubbles. Yeah. Bubbles. I don't have to go bubbles. There you go. Okay. So bubbles, tinkle, piddle, that's, that's, you know, you're, you're really thirsty and you're going to the bathroom a lot. Uh, you're hungry and you're fatigued. You're just extra tired. Okay. Those are the main, main symptoms. Now, as we get a little bit older, we will notice, especially in our pre-diabetics or our diabetic patients that form or develop type 2, Vision changes. That's usually in the main criteria for symptoms of possible diabetes. Okay. And the reason for that is that as your sugar really ramps up or down, as it varies a lot, but in particular if it's up higher for a longer period of time, it will cause changes in your refractive state. You will usually, usually become more nearsighted. And so that's why blurred vision is one of the symptoms of diabetics when they have not been diagnosed yet. Most of the time, it's, man, are you thirsty? You're going to the bathroom a lot. Uh, You're fatigued. You're hungry. And my vision's kind of blurry. The vision's usually blurry because your prescription's changed. How 
far along am I from and the examples that you gave in the earlier uh, description of the different types if if I don't know that I'm pre-diabetic mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. how far along in your opinion am I if it's already started affecting my vision you've had it for a while that doesn't happen over. Oh, yeah, geez, I had right. I had a triple scoop so of ice things, cream last right, night. That's right. Yeah, the other yeah. things that we've talked about with glaucoma and uh, age-related macular degeneration, there's a common thread in all these. That overwhelmingly, the overwhelming majority of things don't happen fast, and that's they right. don't happen. I mean, they don't happen open overnight. It's a it's a very long, slow road. It is. It crosses a threshold at some point where it becomes noticeable. Though. Okay. 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 Either sign wise or symptom wise. Okay. But it usually has been developing for for some time. In fact. It's very common for us to talk to our diabetic patients and say, how long have you had diabetes? Well, I was diagnosed in 2017, but we think I probably had it since uh, 2013 or so. Because they start looking back on their symptoms going, that's really when I started to notice Mm. this type of thing. Got it. And I didn't go to my doctor, um, you know, that type of thing. And and, and so they've usually had it longer, especially in the type 2s. Okay, so eye problems. Yeah. So um, whether it... It doesn't really matter the age, but I'm, I'm guessing in some cases it's it's a 40, 50-plus-year-old. They're coming in. What are some eye problems that they are expressing to you where you know beyond a shot of a doubt, hey, this that's an indicator. we got to look for them. Yeah, you know, it's the number one cause of new cases of blindness in, in the United States. Diabetes. Diabetes is. New Sugar. cases. Yep. Wow. How about that? So that's, a, that's an alarming statistic because some we have some communities, say Houston, Texas, where the rate of diabetes prevalence in the population approaches 9%. One out of almost 10 people is diabetic. And so that's a scary thing. And we have other communities that are similar to that. So the general number of people who are diabetic now and who are becoming diagnosed, newly diagnosed as having diabetes is increasing every single year. So there have got to be some lifestyle changes wow. that we that are affecting that and that we need to modify. But getting back to the eyes. And you said it's the number one cause in blindness. New cases of blindness every cases. year. That's okay. right. Okay. That's right. Um, so if we have some symptoms, the most common symptom for the eyes will be blurred vision, but that's certainly not the only symptom. And we talked about the number one thing there is that over time, higher levels of sugar unchecked by insulin will develop a change in your prescription. We will measure that when we check your prescription. Okay. I would say I see that even more than I see the next change, which is the one that we historically and characteristically look for all the time, and that is too much sugar in the blood vessels starts to affect the very tiny capillaries. Remember, we have veins, take blood back to the heart. Mm-hmm. We have capillaries. We have and they're very small, kind of the little tributaries. And then we have arteries that take blood away from the heart. And so, you know, in between these arteries and veins, we've got to adjust the pressure. And so we have these capillaries, multiple little feeders. Those capillaries are more prone to having sugar effects than the bigger blood vessels. Okay. And so the first thing that happens is they bulge. And a bulging blood vessel we call an aneurysm. But because these blood vessels are small, we call that a microaneurysm. Okay. So I will look in the eye for these characteristic signs of microaneurysms, very small little capillaries that are bulging. And they're bulging because they have too much pressure on them? Not so much too much pressure, but it, the sugar ruins one of the cells or the lining, and therefore it becomes structurally weakened and it starts to bulge. Okay. 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 Now, if that continues, then they will break – 
All right, so imagine it bulges, bulges, you got this balloon, it's bulging, and then at some point it just pops, right? Okay. If the blood, the small little blood vessel pops, then we get a small hemorrhage. And these are characteristically circular, okay. dot and blot hemorrhages. Okay, dot, blot, as soon as you said the word pop, I'm uh-huh. thinking of a listener right now going, that, I bet you feel that. You, uh, gotta, you feel it. You just yeah. gotta, I mean, you yeah, said the word pop. A misnomer. Won't feel this. You won't even know it unless it affects it. the central part of your vision. Okay, Dr. Jeff, yeah. when you're looking in there and you see a dot or a blot in your description, are you seeing one, two, 30? It could be both. It could be really? all of those. Yeah, it just okay. depends on the extent. Okay. Obviously, more is a bigger problem. We really look at each quadrant mm-hmm. of the eye, okay. and we start to stage where you are with your diabetic changes in the eye or on the retina. We call this diabetic retinopathy, retinopathy? pathology of the retina. And so one of our criteria is, okay, well, do I have one or two of those? Are they in the periphery, where they're not really bothering my central vision, or are they right at the central part of vision called my macula? Uh-huh. And are they in every quadrant? And depending upon, we have some criteria as to as to how we say mild, moderate, severe, depending upon where they are. So broken blood vessels, okay, dot blot hemorrhages that occur, and particularly even these microaneurysms that occur near the central part of vision, all of those are associated with leaking some fluid. Okay. So when the fluid leaks, if it's minuscule and small, way out towards the edge of my vision, I won't even notice it. But if I get a little bit straight ahead in my vision in the macula, sure. with, which is exactly where I'm looking straight ahead, then it will oftentimes blur my vision. It certainly will disrupt the architecture. Mm. And we need to get rid of that fluid because the longer the fluid is there, the worse problems occur. So, uh, okay. The dot... So mm-hmm. you have, uh, I come in, you uh, look into my eyes, you see that I have hemorrhaged capillaries. They have busted. Mm-hmm. Right. Dots right. and blots. Dots and blots. I, you didn't feel it. I didn't feel it at all. Yeah. Nope. But for whatever reason, they're, they're not in the macula. That's mm-hmm. the only issue. Um, you send me off and say, well, we're measuring it. We'll come back next year in this example. Mm, yeah. I come back next year. Are those things that you saw last year still there? Typically, they will not be there. Okay. Typically, broken blood vessels, and these will clear in about three to four months on average. Okay. And so they may disappear, but others may reappear in the same place. So I have heard you say in uh, two different um, diabetic retinopathy uh, trainings over the years that that is true, that one, when one busts, another one comes back, but mm-hmm. we know the one that comes back is weaker and more fragile. Oh, good point. That, that takes us kind of to the next level. So okay. you're, you're on the right track. And okay. that is when we have broken blood vessels, uh, particularly our biggest risk is that we break a blood vessel in or around, or we have dilated capillaries in or around the central part of vision, and they leak fluid, and that's called the macula. And we get macular leakage fluid, or what we technically call edema. Macular okay. edema is the number one reason that people with diabetes will lose vision. Okay, and that needs to be treated. So let, I have to. So we yeah. have another episode. I don't have in front of me. Mm-hmm. It's in the '60s. Definitely go back and listen to it. Called floaters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is not to our listeners. A floater that I see in the vision if I'm looking at a at a beige wall is absolutely not the same visual that I would see in this example of having liquid in my macula. That's correct. That's correct. This would be. All in all, it's just not very clear. You come in, you say, I need some new glasses. We check your vision and we say, uh, you know, in some cases, we can correct your vision to 20-20 and you still have fluid, which Mm -hmm. is kind of an interesting thing. 
But in most cases, you'll have a little bit of reduced vision. And we say, geez, you know, last year you could read the bottom row on the chart with the best prescription. This year, I've got your best prescription, but you can't read that bottom row or the row next to it, uh, above it. Mm-hmm. And so we're limited in our vision because you're looking through water. Yeah. And it's like looking under the pool. You know, it's not as clear. So we need to get rid of that fluid. Once we do, hopefully... Some of that vision will return, but not always. That's why the earlier we want to catch it, mm-hmm. the earlier we can treat it if necessary, even if somebody has 20-20 vision, if we have fluid in a certain area of the macula, it needs to be treated so that we can get rid of the fluid. Can you actually see the fluid? In some cases, if it's very extreme, yes. But we have technology that allows us to see the fluid better than we ever used to sure so even now our retinal specialists and we as optometrists and ophthalmologists will rely on the technology because it sees the fluid we can suspect it and we can say oh yeah i see there but but it's really confirmed with uh, some of our what we call oct technology okay got it okay so what you were alluding to is a really good point cole and that is the longer the fluid hangs around a couple of other things occur number one if you leave fluid in your bathtub you take a bath and you, you've been outside working and you're sweating and you're dirty and all this, and you take a bath and you get out of the bathtub water and you forget to empty the drain. Yeah, dirty okay? water. Um, bathtub, dirty water. scum, the whole thing. You got it. You got it. And, and you know that that kind of builds up, right? Yeah. Because a little bit of the fluid evaporates, right, in uh-huh. the bathtub. Yeah. And then you're left with this ring oh, in yeah. the bathtub and scummy stuff. That happens on the back of the eye, too, and we can see that scummy stuff. That scummy stuff from the water. From the water, right? We call that exudates because these blood vessels start to leak other things like lipids and proteins, and they build up. and And if anybody's ever looked at the retina, and we've shown you and said, "See these yellow spots here? This mm. is a collection where fluid's been there for a long time." That takes a while to happen, but we will look at that. So much like when you say, "Geez, when did you get developed diabetes?" We may have just today diagnosed that you have diabetes and that you have some fluid in your eye. But I can tell by looking at these exudates that it's been there for about three or four months at least Got because it. That, it takes that long for the bathtub ring to form. Right. So, so those are other signs we look at. But getting back to your very astute remembrance of what we lectured on before in mm-hmm. staff meetings and other places, if you have enough fluid in the eye, I like it like this. You go, man, I just can't breathe really well. i got to take a breath. Mm-hmm. And so that sends a message to the brain to produce some substances that are released that say grow new blood vessels and give more oxygen. Those new blood vessels that grow, those are the ones that are really fragile. Mm. We call those new neo. So neovascularization are really called new blood vessels. And you can kind of think of these like new, really sticky blood vessels. They grow, but they're really sticky. Okay. Okay. I, I kind of like a frog that has these like five sticky toes, like mm-hmm. one of those tree frogs mm-hmm. and a sticky tongue. You know, all this, like, if you pull it away, it kind of, like, gooey and still attached. Sure. That's what these new blood vessels are like. But the one it replaced was not like that. It was not. It nope. was just flowing. It was the new one. It was yeah. the regular one. But these new ones are like that. And so that stickiness and the fragility of these blood vessels causes a problem. They break easier. Mm. If they break then they leak blood into the eye. Now, you may see floaters, but you're going to see a lot of them. You're going to see a shower of floaters. Sometimes people will say, I have pinkish or red vision if you have enough blood. And so that's a type of floater, but it's usually a sudden change. You have a vitreous hemorrhage because blood is spewing into the fluid and the vitreous in the eye. The other thing that they can do because they're really sticky is they will contract. And so if they're stuck to things, but then... 
they contract back, okay? Okay. They will pull on whatever they're stuck to. So if they're stuck to the retina, they're going to pull the retina, and so we can get a retinal detachment. So these new blood vessels pose two big problems for us, and we don't want them there. Number one, they can leak, and that blocks vision a lot. Number two, they can attach, as they are, to other parts of the inside structures of the eye. They contract, and they pull things. They cause retinal detachments or permanent losses of vision that way. So whenever we get to the point that we see new blood vessels forming, that's really an important aspect of even if they haven't broken yet or caused a retinal detachment, or ret- detachment we want to get rid of them. And that's when we work with our retinal specialist uh, experts, and they have uh, some special medicine, other things that they can do to treat the eye, uh, and we'll cover that in separate segments, to get rid of those new blood vessels. Is it VEGF? Yeah. There you huh. go. VEGF is produced. You thought all I did back there was just Man, that's like really good. the marketing, but yeah, yeah, I, I take yeah. notes. So what Cole's saying is that one of the chemicals that is produced is called VEGF, and so that stimulates it's a vegetative growth factor, basically, uh-huh. uh, so, or a vascular endothelial growth factor is kind of what we may, may call that. Bottom line is it, it's, it's something that goes around and says, hey, let's, let's grow some new blood vessels. Well, here's what I took away from it, if, if, uh, amongst other things. If, if you, it sounds like you get to a certain point, and if you don't change your game plan or get a lot of assistance with said mm-hmm. game plan, your next round, is, uh, it just snowballs. Yes, it sounds like it gets worse. It does. Now, when you're saying spewing blood in your eye, you and I both know that is no one's coming in with blood dripping out of their eye, no, right? They're, they're, it's in the eye. It's in there. Mm-hmm. And But once that's corrected and once the new blood vessel forms, if, you, if you're not correcting the root issue, it's just going to get worse. It's going to continue. That's right. Oh, so wow. we have to get rid of those new blood vessels. Okay. And it. so if we want to get rid of the new blood vessels, we don't get to the point where we have a leak of fluid. And if we want to not get to having leaking fluid and bathtub scum and all of that, mm-hmm. then we don't want to have microaneurysms and dot blot hemorrhages. And if we don't want to have those, then we don't want to have excess sugar floating around in our body for long enough, undiagnosed um, or untreated so that we keep a normal A1C. And the best way to keep a normal A1C in the summary of this to avoid diabetes, mm-hmm. ideally, if if it's more developmental or environmental than it is something that you've inherited, is number one, you want to keep your sugar level low. You want to eat a good, healthy diet. Mediterranean diet is a great one. I don't propose one diet over another because I'm not a nutritionist or a di- or a dietitian. On the other hand, um, you want to watch your carbs and your sugars. Fewer sugary drinks. Fewer. We're a very sugar society. Though. We are. We we're tremendous, sweets. and if and, and if we don't have it, the body's craving it. Yeah. Once it gets used to it, it wants more and more. And I'm the perfect example of that. Once I can get off of sugar then I don't really crave it. But the minute I start back a little bit, it's like, okay, I had some. Now I need some salty. Now yeah, I'm back. I want some more sugar. And it right. starts this right. crescendo. So that's what you want to do is you want to watch your sugar intake. You want to go see your general physician. You want to lose weight or you want to maintain a, a very good weight like Cole does. Um, you want to know the symptoms all right. If you're starting to have an increased urination, if you're starting to be increasingly thirsty, those issues should be concerned you. Now, that doesn't mean that's diabetes. Could be other things. I mean, just be you know, aware. Men my age, if they increase urination, are probably more likely have prostate issues than they are diabetes. But it is something you want to be aware, to be aware of. You don't of. want to right. just brush it off. That's right. Okay. 
Um, see your general physician for appointment, simple blood test, get an A1C, make some modified or some modifications in your lifestyle, exercise, exercise, exercise. So it's kind of this whole ratio of the more we exercise, the better we eat, the better our BMI or mm-hmm. our lower our blood, I mean, excuse me, lower our body weight uh, to be a more appropriate sure. level. All of those things reduce, reduce the chance of getting diabetes. The longer you can reduce the chance of getting diabetes, the less you are at risk for the number one cause of new cases of blindness. You know, it's there very, it's interesting. I'll tell, honestly, it's one of the, it is one of the things that I have learned since being here that I find to be the most fascinating because it is a lead indicator of what is to come that has absolute, well, I'll say absolutely nothing, but it, it does, but it, it has nothing to do with your vision. People who come in here to the eye doctor have no clue that the word diabetes would ever be mentioned to them ever at right. a certain age group, right? Um, but to your point, um, it is, uh, there are a lot of factors to look at uh, from whether you're looking at, to your point, um, my notes here, A1C is the average. You said that could go up to two months. Uh, so A1C is extremely important. The types you covered are type one. More than likely that is inherited. Your pancreas produces insulin and sometimes it's not enough. Type two is developmental. Um, it, it's happening over time. Insulin resistant is what I wrote down here. Third is gestational. Mom and the baby have it at the same time. Doesn't mean they're going to keep it after the baby's born, but it does uh, have a higher propensity of the gestational leading to type two. Right? They had an issue in gestational. It's, a, it's another risk factor. Another yep. risk factor, yep. meaning yep. that the development could uh, could have issues as well. And just like we've talked about with a lot of things, uh, we talked about it with glaucoma suspect. In this conversation, we talked about pre-diabetes. So um, that you've got markers and indicators that say that you're headed down that route. You're not there yet, uh, but it's something that, again, going back to that uh, our doctors and staff are looking at here on a regular basis when you come in. For your eye health and wellness exam, we're looking at every bit of that. Yeah, we may not mention that to you, and we should, but we don't mention all the things that we're looking for all the time. But every time we pull up that Optos, every time we look at a dilated fundus exam, anytime we look at your retina, we are looking for signs of diabetes. You will not feel them. Right. We can see them. So if you can't get into your general physician, at least come to your eye doctor. and make sure that your eyes are healthy. (laughs) Guys, you're listening to As I See It. Thank you so much for listening. If you have not hit the magic button, subscribe. Please, please hit that button. It helps us reach so many more people. And please, as you hear us say on almost every episode, please leave us a comment. That subscribe button and those comments help us reach so many people. And whenever Dr. Jeff is not bird watching or throwing axes in the competition that he just came out of, he is sitting at home with Dr. Susan enjoying that Mediterranean diet. Thanks, Dr. Jeff. Thanks, Cole.